Hello and welcome. I'm Ben Schultz. I'm Nora Schultz. And this is Trying to Adapt. And today we're trying to adapt to Gorgo's A Christmas Carol, a 2017 puppet short film based on the 1949 Vincent Price television version that we were looking at in episode two. Yeah, we basically decided that we should knock this one out of the way, considering that we still have the Vincent Price version fresh in our minds. Um, We realized a couple minutes in, though, that that wasn't actually helpful to understanding Gorgo's A Christmas Carol. They use the narration from Vincent Price's version, so specifically the parts that have Vincent Price in them. Everything else is original. Now, this video is originally from YouTube, It has 501 views at the time that we watched it. It was posted last Christmas Eve. Despite that, we would like to say that no adaptation is too silly or too obscure for us to get into on this podcast, and what better way to illustrate that fact than just by starting off with something very silly and very obscure. Oh, and I want to let you know, too, that our interpretation of the word adaptation is extremely broad. Um... You may not see that with our Christmas Carol season, perhaps, just because there's so many quote-unquote official adaptations to get into. But as we start looking at sources that are maybe a little bit more obscure or a little harder to adapt in like a professional way, we will be looking at things that you may not consider adaptations. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and basically the first, like, three or so minutes of the video are Vincent Price's daughter talking to us about Vincent Price's legacy. Many of you know I'm not a horror movie fan. I don't like being scared. I never liked watching my dad do scary things to people, and I certainly didn't like watching him be killed. Um, she is accompanied by, as she introduces him, Vincent Price's grand dog. And I just want to say right now that looking at both this dog and this very sweet woman, I would kill for either of them. That's all. I appreciate that she talks about the legacy of horror films, but this is not a horror story. This is one of the few Vincent Price projects that is not really horror. Yeah, it almost seems like this guy who, um, by the way, the guy who made this is a two-time Emmy winner. I want you to keep that in your head as you try to ponder what we're going to talk to you about. Um, it almost seems like he approached Vincent Price's daughter and said, like, hey, can you talk about your dad for this? But forgot to tell her that they were talking about A Christmas Carol until maybe the very end. Because really not much of what she says has anything to do with this particular version. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier... This version of the story is done with puppets, and not just any puppets. Most of them were not created specifically for this. So, for example, the role of Ebenezer Scrooge is played by a gargoyle named Gorgo. Now, I didn't understand that he was supposed to be a gargoyle until a couple minutes in. Like, in my notes, I put, like, wait, is Scrooge being played by a dragon? But no, he's supposed to be a gargoyle. Not sure, like, from where or how he escaped you have to be familiar with this guy's other work i think this puppeteer bill diamond yeah because right now you might be thinking i've never heard of this gorgo and that's okay because neither have we i'm gonna mention you need to watch this this is something that is just bizarre in a wonderful kind of way oh at one point in my notes i literally wrote down like 
This needs to be seen. This is literally indescribable. So this episode of the podcast is less of a analysis and more just an advertisement for why you should go and watch this 20-minute YouTube video. There's honestly not much to analyze here because it's basically just the Vincent Price version, but completely nonsensical. There's no, like, like, I'm fairly certain the person who made this has not read the book. I don't think the person who made this was thinking about the book whatsoever while making this. There's no, like, it really doesn't have much in common with the Vincent Price version either. I'm not sure exactly what the Vincent Price estate's involvement in this project is exactly, because obviously his daughter is involved. There's a banner ad for VincentPrice.com at the end, so I don't know if this is like something that his estate reached out to some puppeteer in order to do, or if the puppeteer was the one who had the idea and decided to reach out to Vincent Price's estate for some reason. I feel like it's gotta be the puppeteer reached out to them, but at the same time, like, this man, maybe he tried to go to, like, other um, creators of adaptations. I feel like it's very interesting that the Vincent Price one is the one that he decided, yeah, this needs to be done, but with puppets. Now, there's... It's not just puppets. There's a lot of medium shifting. We have establishing shots that are traditionally animated. Uh, Animated in a loose sense of the term, though. It's basically just a still frame being zoomed in on. We have human actors with green screen. We'll get into that. Um, Right off the bat, we have the Vincent Price puppet talking to us, except he really does not look like Vincent Price. Um, He looks black. I'm just going to say that right now. He looks like a black puppet. I didn't think of that. Uh, At the very least, he is not white. He is not a white-coated puppet. I did notice that his eyes are clearly like glass eyes, and they look very creepy. Oh no, it's extremely creepy. And I also thought while watching him deliver Vincent Price's monologue, wow, it's kind of really boring to watch a puppet read a monologue. Yeah, especially one that was, like, delivered by an actual human being first, because the puppeteer doesn't get really any opportunity to have fun with the Vincent Price character at all. So it's really just, like, a Vincent Price puppet whose mouth is moving in sync with 70-year-old audio of Vincent Price. Yeah, you basically just have a creepy-looking puppet who looks literally nothing like Vincent Price being badly lip-synced to Vincent Price audio. A thought that occurred to me at this point, and would continue to occur to me multiple points while watching this, was why? So just to go over some of the other characters, uh, the whole Cratchit family is played by mice. I think, again, these puppets were created for some other purpose. So I don't know why why he has all these mice puppets, but here they are as the Cratchit family. Also, when I heard that it had original audio from the Vincent Price version, I thought that this would be like all of the dialogue from the characters too. No, they completely redid the dialogue, generally making it worse. They were going for a funny kind of thing. There's this extremely recurring bit about apple strudel. No, I like apple strudel. Bad apple strudel, that's what it was. Bad apple strudel. Definitely bad apple strudel. Bad apple strudel. Apple strudel, apple strudel, apple strudel. 
I would toss an apple strudel at him if I had some. I like apple strudel. Even hearing those words together makes me mad now. Um, also, as I christened him, um, Scrooge I get that he's not supposed to be a serious Scrooge whatsoever, but he sounds just young and not very mean either. Like, he just kind of sounds like a fun, maybe kind of whiny, annoying guy. It doesn't have a good effect. We're probably going to be looking at a lot of Christmas Carol adaptations where you have a character playing Scrooge because that's like a fairly common trope. I'm going to say right off the bat now, bold statement here. This is probably one of the least fitting ones I can imagine. This one makes particularly little sense because we don't know these characters. So if there if there's like a thing about, oh, this Gorgo guy, he loves the apple strudel. Maybe that would be maybe that would make more sense and it would be more funny if we knew who Gorgo was. And I guess that's not something I can really blame the creators for because that's on us for not having seen anything else with Gorgo in it. Even then just the way that this character is acted and the lines that, like the way that his lines are written, he doesn't seem like a Scrooge type whatsoever. So it's just a little bit jarring. Um, also, along with the apple strudel bit, there's, like, kind of a weird thing where, like, a character will say a line and something will be replaced with apple strudel, and then a character will be like, wait, don't you mean, and then it's the original line, and, like, that's almost funny, and I do appreciate how meta it is, but number one, I feel like this joke completely goes over your head if you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of a Christmas carol like we do. Or an encyclopedic knowledge of Gorgo, which we do not. Yeah, so while we kind of understand the joke from one angle, it's not funny. The other half of it isn't funny, which makes the whole joke not very funny. And the fact that they do it more than once just makes it grating. Now I just have some notes here. The ghost of Jacob Marley shows up as expected. Uh, He's played by a human puppet. Wait, you just skipped over the whole part where the chair back was haunted and had a face. I did skip over that, but I was going to get to it. I guess Marley possesses the chair, and it's... You think that Marley is going to be a monster chair, and then it turns out he's just a human puppet ghost. It's very scary. The chair back is one of the scariest things I've seen in any Christmas Carol adaptation. Um, I personally probably would have taken the scene more seriously if Jacob Marley just was the chair back. That doesn't work that way, though. That would have been an improvement. Marley tells Scrooge that the first ghost will arrive at 1 a.m., the second at the same hour. He doesn't say that the second ghost will arrive on the next night, so presumably they're going to show up at the same time and it'll be very confusing they're for gonna everyone. They're going to tag-team it. Yeah. Also, like, there's a lot of iconic lines that are replaced with jokes, except they aren't funny. Yeah, so instead of the whole, like, you may just be a bit of undigested beef. Of course, they bring, like, the apple strudel bit back. But also, he says some line about, like, I may have to get some probiotics. And I literally just wrote down, shut up and take this scene seriously or else be funny about it. This one especially bothers me because I don't know if it's just me, but I always find the, like, undigested beef line kind of funny. That doesn't need to be comic reliefed. Also, when Jacob Marley appears, Gorgo says, are you part of a chain gang? <laughs> to which I just wrote down, 1815, Toulon, Les Miserables. Just some other notes. The person who 
voices the ghost of Christmas past seems like they might have been reading their lines for the first time. I am the ghost of Christmas past. And what business do you bring here? Your welfare. I have things to show you of things that have been. So come with me. Yeah, also, when the ghost of Christmas past is about to sweep Scrooge away, or Gorgo, screw Gorgo, he says, I always wanted to say that. Yes, master. Which, um, I guess Gorgo's outing himself as a sub, which, a little weird, a little out of place. Um, interesting interpretation. Now, we find out that Gorgo, or Scrooge, it's not entirely clear who- Screw Gorgo. Went to gargoyle school, where he shunned his classmates in favor of counting the coins in his piggy bank. So I guess he's always been like this. There's no great emotional kind of- Catharsis. Yeah, also, Yon Scrugorgo is animated, but kind of in the, like, he's basically a still frame that blinks every once in a while. And it's just, it's a little weird. You would think that this guy could just kind of, like, make a, a smaller Gorgo puppet, but apparently not. Also, the whole, like, that's because you shunned them is, that's new. Yon Scrooge isn't lonely because he's an asshole. He's lonely because... He's lonely. That's not really... He's lonely because his dad is such an asshole that he's, like, screwed him up for life. Yeah, he's emotionally stunted. He's not, like, a jerk-ass. And then we kind of jarringly cut to the Gorgo puppet interacting with Vincent Price's daughter. and Victoria Price. And we quickly realize that she is playing the fiancé because she's like, I release you of your marriage contract and... Your love of gold is far more precious to you than me. I am very well aware of that. I just wrote, <gasps> she exchanges gold for a dog. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Which understandable. You, you really need to watch this. Yeah, this is not going to make any sense if you don't watch the video. Also, so after this, you know, like, the typical Scrooge, like, show me no more. But then we immediately cut back to the Vincent Price puppet in full creepiness and not Vincent Price-ness. Um, and after a little bit more narration from him, we get the Ghost of Christmas present scene with, like, badly animated presents. One thing I actually will give this adaptation credit for is that the Cratchit Mouse family does actually seem poor in this one. Like, the scene building and the clothing on the mouse puppets actually does create the impression of poverty. They have very little cheese to live on. I'm not sure this is enough for my wife and children. Which um, definitely raises the question, is cheese their food? Is it their currency? Or is it both? It's everything for them. Also, um, Tiny Tim isn't sitting at the table in this one. He's just kind of this weird little diseased-looking mouse puppet sitting at the back of the room. Um, also, they do call him a cripple in this one, which, from the book, yes. But also, no keeping in mind that this was made in 2017, out of all of the lines you didn't include from the book, really the cripple one? Yeah. Tiny Tim also does sound like a 40-year-old smoker in the, like, one line that he does get, which I don't think he even says, God bless us, everyone. I don't remember what he says, but he says it like a 40-year-old smoker. And when the Cratchit family is talking about Gorgo, I noticed they refer to him as that gargoyle, which, like, 
I don't know if that's racist you know, or what. You know, it seems a little bit racist. Like, yeah, Scrooge is a bad guy, but, like, the fact that they're different creatures <laughs> does kind of, like, add an interesting theme that I'd like to see explored, but, of course, it's 20 minutes long, so that doesn't happen. Now, we get to the Ghost of Christmas future. I don't think they call him yet to come. I honestly, I don't remember. I was more paying attention to the fact that the puppet is Nosferatu. Yes, no black robes or anything here. And in case you were thinking, are you saying he just looks like Nosferatu? No, I'm saying that in the credits, it says Ghost of Christmas Future and then Nosferatu. He's played by Nosferatu. This man had a Nosferatu puppet and then decided to use it for the Ghost of Christmas Future. Didn't even bother to put a hood over it. It's just Nosferatu. Now, he shows Gorgo Scrooge a blank gravestone, and then lightning strikes it, and it says, Ebenezer Scrooge, a.k.a. Gorgo, all of a sudden. Which makes me want to know if this Gorgo character, if he's been in other things, has his real name been Ebenezer Scrooge all this time? Gorgo is like a stage name? We might try to find out if there are any other adaptations of A Christmas Carol where people regularly refer to Ebenezer Scrooge as Gorgo. If the, if the mention of Screw Gorgo is bothering you, then maybe you have an idea of what it's like to hear Apple Strudel said over and over. So, Screw Gorgo's response to seeing his tombstone, he basically just says, say I can erase that stone, which like, wait, are you saying, tell me that I won't die? I mean, maybe gargoyles are supposed to live forever or for a very long time, so. Isn't he made of stone himself? It's a good point. He doesn't really look like it, which is why I thought he was a dragon at first. Yeah, I don't know what they think a gargoyle is, exactly. Yeah, I'm still trying to think about, like, where did he come from? How did he escape? And I just have one last note in the scene with the, like, it's Christmas Day, sir. Uh, there's very, very bad audio quality. Sometimes it's muffled, sometimes it's peaking so badly that you can barely make out what they're saying. Hey, boy! What day is it? What day it is? Christmas Day! Oh, oh, the spirits did it all in one night! <laughs> it's just, like, weirdly that much worse than the rest of the production. And after this weird audio quality episode, um, we once again get, like, a Scrooge laughing maniacally, but I think it's even weirder and more out of place here, because Gorgo's been cracking jokes the entire time. He's not a humorless guy. So the fact that now all of a sudden he finds everything funny, like, yeah, he's been thinking everything's funny the whole time. And it's been extremely annoying. Um, I really have nothing else to say. Like I said earlier, there's not really much to analyze here. This adaptation clearly doesn't take itself very seriously, so I feel like we shouldn't take it very seriously either. And if we don't take it seriously, what is there really to talk about? As much as I love to analyze things that don't deserve it, there's really nothing to dive too deep into here. I will say, this doesn't add much to the Christmas Carol pantheon, except for just being absolutely insane. And I appreciate that. It's definitely a Christmas Carol like none other. It's unique. Maybe it doesn't have to be anything more than that. Please watch it. You're gonna need visual aids to understand what the hell we're talking about, please go to YouTube and look up Gorgo's A Christmas Carol. We were not paid to advertise this, but we do want you to watch it. Whatever you're picturing in your head, it's not that. All right, I think that's just about everything. 
I've been Ben Schultz. I've been Nora Schultz. And you have been listening to Trying to Adapt. Thank you. Thank you.